four and a half minutes in advance of 11 o'clock. New Iberia Mayor Freddie DeCourt joins us on the Thursdays, usually following city council meetings. How are you, sir? I'm good, sir. Appreciate you coming by. A bit busy week. Busy week. Been a busy week, and it'll be a busy, uh, fun weekend. Looks like the weather's going to cooperate. Uh, we'll see what it does next week. Uh, they have that storm out there we got to watch, but that's yeah. not till later in the week. But, uh, yeah, great weather and a uh, great event. What, what can you tell us about uh, this year's festival and how uh, the city's impacted and what residents might need to know from where you sit? Yeah, you know, downtown is blocked off, and, uh, you know, we had a lot of calls yesterday because when they started in the park, every time we touch the parking lot, that, you know, becomes an issue. Uh, the fair, and because they're setting up a fair that opens tonight, uh, it takes a day or two to get it all set up. So, unfortunately, the you know, the bad part is that the everybody's got to share, and the parking lot a few times a year does, you know, gumbo cook-off, uh, sugarcane festival, a car show every once in a while. You know, we try not to block the whole thing too many times a year, but we need to be a community. We need to welcome our guests. And uh, we got this, you know, just great downtown. We need to show it off. We need to use it. So uh, there'll be some of those, some road closures, of course, for the parades. Could be some inconveniences. You know, we, we realize that a whole lot of people live on Main Street. So just stop and tell the officer, I'm going to my house. I mean, no one's trying to stop you from coming and going from your house. Uh, but that is always, you know, a little bit of a rub. But you'll have people that, uh, the ones that really affect are like the bed and breakfasts, that you'll have new people coming in and they're just lost. So we ask our officers to be patient and to, you know, let people know and, and to help everybody get where they need to go. So there is some inconveniences, but uh, the balance of that is it's, it's a great weekend. It's a great community event. The sugarcane farmers produce uh, $1 million a day of revenue for uh, to $365 million a year business, and Iberia Parish leads that charge. And the reason we have the sugarcane festival is because we are the largest sugar-producing sugar parishes, or one of, one of the largest. So, you know, it's a celebration of our culture and our history. At the same time, it's just a fun party. Yeah. So uh, the next three days are filled with all the activities that come with the sugarcane festival, and we're just blessed that they're all downtown. No doubt about it. No doubt. Probably a better question for uh, Parish President Larry Richard. It's parish property out by the courthouse uh, uh, next to the old David funeral home yes. there. I'm yes. not sure if parking's available there. I don't know if you I, are I don't, aware. I don't know that. I'm not aware of that. Yeah. I'm not positive. Yeah, I, I know there was some talk of making that parking, but now uh-huh. the courthouse, uh, apparently they don't feel they need to do it, and they're selling that property uh, perhaps yep. to St. Peter's, but... Again, uh, might, might be an option, and, yeah. and at least it's dry. Yeah, no, that's a good thing, because some years when it's wet and muddy, even downtown, you know, people park and cut up a lot of stuff. So it should be a great weekend. I mean, I think the festival's getting lucky. Not every year does it work out that the weather will be this great for the parades and, and for the fair and the whole weekend. Uh, apart from the heat. Yeah, it is a little hot. <laughs> it is a little hot. But your know, first day of fall today, and it's going to think of hitting 97, I think. So Yeah, you know, um, had a conversation with somebody earlier in the week uh, talking about how in the past maybe it would be cold festival weekend and i i've been here 20 years and i've never felt it was cold festival weekend you know it's like i can remember i've been here you know uh, a long time okay and uh i can remember once or twice that you know people broke out their flannel and their boots and their you know long jeans but i don't ever remember really being cold but, of course, everybody says, you know, a long time ago it was, it was cold by now. But I don't know. Maybe I'm not that old. It's not even that cold in Chicago this time <laughs> of year. You know, 
I'm just thinking uh, maybe maybe cool. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. We have had a couple of them that we had a little cool front come through. There you go. Uh, before we get into Tuesday night's city council meeting, uh, any other uh, breaking news or situations out there? No, not really. Things are, things are good. We uh, now just business as usual. Really, a lot of lot of projects coming. A lot of things that we've been working on. Uh, got through budget. You know, most of it will hit in the meet in the when we start on the meeting. Though it's all yeah. good. The uh, you, you and I uh, communicated about this uh, the one pizza place that was going to go in front of Rouse's. Yeah, I'm bummed about that. Yeah. They got their construction costs back, and I think it's the build out that's killing them. Uh, and I can tell you, being in that industry, you know, costs are up. They have been rising for a year and a half, and they're not going to stop, unfortunately. And that means all your sub costs. That means all your equipment. That means all your materials. I mean, it has affected the construction industry like no other. So I. From what I hear, they got their costs back, and they were just too high to do the build-out. They've already done some work. and then, so what, I, what I, remains of that? Then? You know, I feel like they would probably put the shell up because they already had steel out there. But as far as for finishing the inside, and, I mean, a restaurant is an expensive proposition. Mm-hmm. I've built quite a few of them, and it's so much equipment and so many tons of air conditioning for your load, so much suppression systems in your kitchen, all those things just, you know, are very expensive to build. And I think they got the prices back and were a little shocked um, at where they were because I'd love to see them here. I mean, I think it's uh, they made the investment in the land. They they began the project. You know, any way I could help them, I would like to um, because it uh, would add value to our community. It'd be another another restaurant, another employer, more taxes. And that's how you have to look at all of these. You know, people need to just stop when all the comments of, well, we don't need another X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Yeah, we need them all. Uh, competition's good, number one. Number two, it's more jobs and taxes, and it adds to the overall quality of life, and it gives our citizens another choice. I was going to say, one more reason to stay in town. And more importantly, or as important, as important, it brings in people from other communities. It brings in people from neighboring communities to come and shop here and drop those dollars, and those taxes, we put them to good use. Um, You'll see this year in our budget, we're putting it all back. We have uh, saved money. And put money aside for various projects, and this is the year to get them done. So we're not a bank. All those tax dollars and those additional dollars from the new businesses we have that people are coming from out of town, it's going right back into the community. There you go. Do I uh, understand uh, another restaurant maybe going on down the street here? Yes, yes. Uh, Bambino Burgers. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they're coming. It's going to be a good thing. You know, I, I was thinking about... Uh, you know, retrofitting buildings for restaurants. Uh, uh-huh. That's got to be one of the bigger struggles. It and is, and that's where I do, that's where I get to do my best work because that's that's what my, you know, we specialize in historic restoration but also adaptive reuse of old buildings and uh, should be a good project and uh, looking forward to it. Another restaurant, another employer, another place to go. Should yep. be fun. Got a timeline for them? Uh, their plans are at the fire marshal right now. I think the demo permit will be pulled uh, before this week's up, and that way that demo can start while the uh, fire marshal drawings are being approved. And then I, th- I think after that, the project will start. Neat old building, uh, has a few challenges, d- does need a few things, but uh, it's going to be a great adaptive reuse of that space. Excellent. Uh, had a caller on the line. We'll see sure. this question for the mayor. Hi, you're in there. Okay, Jeff. I had to step away from the radio, and I heard him saying about um, something that's coming. I was wondering if he could reveal um, by the old Winn-Dixie and Popeyes. They, you know, they kind of like got the parking lot all together and um, the building. And we 
kind of wondering, like, is that going to be a, a store or is it going to be a restaurant or does Mary have any idea of what it's going to be? I talked to the owner when he bought the property. He called me because we try to cut through the red tape and I try to make sure people understand all the rules and anything we can help them with to, you know, in their project. He's going to lease out the Winn-Dixie space. He is working on some tenants. He told me that. He redid the parking lot. He's facelifted really the whole shopping center. He's painted it. He's added some little architectural accents. He's planted some trees. He's changing signage. I mean, he's rebranding the place. And this man is from Lafayette. Uh, He has a track record of doing this. He owns quite a few shopping centers. And he's fully confident that he is going to, you know, fill those. The the two big spaces, of course, are the old drugstore and the old Winn-Dixie that are on each end. Those are the, you know, the big spaces. And he felt really confident that he had activity and and interest and that he was going to fill them. He did not, as usual, he did not tell me with what. But it's great to see somebody, one, taking the initiative to buy it. That's a huge investment. And that he didn't wait around, well, I'll fix it up when I get a tenant. This guy, you know, got on it and said, I need to make my product better so that I will attract. And that's really the right way to do it. So we don't know where they are yet, but we're very uh, excited and thankful, you know, for his investment. Because if not, we that'd be a whole lot of empty buildings. No doubt. Oh, okay, thank you so much. Y'all have a blessed weekend and enjoy the Sugar Can Festival. Uh, you too. Thank you. Appreciate the call. 367-1240, if you do have a question or comment, uh, indeed the investment, you see it uh, every day. Uh, it seems like there's just a little bit more over at that shopping center. There is, there is. He's got a crew that has steady work from the week he bought it. That's impressive. You know, mm-hmm. most of I mean, I buy old buildings. Everybody knows that. I renovate them. But they got times I'm like, okay, I got to figure out, you know, what's coming. Well, who's going to pay for this, you know? Who's going to help me, you know, keep it going? And so sometimes I can't always bite off and just get going like that. I was I was impressed. Yeah, I, I tell you, if you can just get a fraction of the Popeyes business, boy, yeah. really, huh? <laughs> Man, Popeyes has a line. I mean, twenty four seven. It's like chicken around the clock. It's insane. It's insane. It but is. anyway, it's good stuff. It's though. good yeah, stuff, though. I gotta tell you. Anyway, uh, city council met on Tuesday. A lot of time talking about the solid waste contract. And yeah, it's a big good deal. discussion. And I, I mean, I really enjoyed listening to it. And I hope our listeners and those who may have viewed it or were there Tuesday night uh, appreciated the depth of which uh, you have looked into this. Well, we have to. This is one of the biggest contracts that the city has. It's a ten-year contract. And if we fail at this contract, it affects everybody, you know, because you, you put your garbage out, you don't want to see it, you don't want to smell it, and it goes on its way, and it's all good. It's kind of like sewer. No problem, no problem. When you have a problem, it's in your face. So we did spend a lot of time putting the packet together, uh, really tried to think of all of the scenarios and, and have good checks and balances for, for both of us. Um, because if you don't make it attractive to a bidder and you make it too one-sided, you're going to pay for it. Your prices are going to do nothing but, but increase. We got a really good price. Uh, we got the service where it's every week. We're going to stop those add-on to piles. Uh, apart make, from recycling, right? Yes, apart yeah. from recycling. But that every week bulky waste pickup will stop. What we have happening, and we talk about that till, to ex- in an extent, we have tons of piles that stay for two weeks. And if you miss it for one day, then you start calling my office, to, hey, they didn't pick it up. But there are times that people put it out the next day, like after the truck has passed. So that's going to sit you know, a full two weeks, and sometimes if they're backed up, two weeks plus. And then people seem to add to those piles. And then when they mix waste, the big problem we've had was we had two different contractors. So it became some finger pointing of, well, you know, we can't do that. 
and the yard waste contractor literally couldn't do it because he can't put garbage in a C&D landfill. He's only permitted to put waste and uh, limbs and branches and those kind of things in there. So he couldn't take the garbage. He had no place to put it. So now with one contractor, they're responsible for everything. And I think that we've laid it out in the contract. We have penalties. We have But I fully anticipate that they're coming to do a good job and that they can handle this or, or wouldn't be entertaining it. Uh, and to top that off, they had a really good price. Mm-hmm. So combine all of that, we had good discussions. I realized that every council person represents 5,000 people. And, and my mayor pro tem and I represent them all. So it has to go good for everybody. So we had a lot of discussion. They had a lot of input. Uh, they approved it. And Jeff and I uh, are working every day on the contract. I think that that will be done probably next week, and then we'll meet with them. But I, I think that uh, taking the specs that I put together – Applying that to the contract, you know, I think we have the bases covered, and I'm excited. It's going to actually, they came in just a little bit under what we were paying when we had all that convoluted thing that we had to give rebates every month. It was a genius contract. We never paid more than the tax. But now when I figure the administration time, finance, and everything else that went into policing that, I think we come off better with this new contract that's just a little bit cheaper. And we and all that paperwork and extra time of monitoring all that goes away. So I'm excited about it. Uh, just want to get it done so uh, we don't have any interruptions. And, you know, the best day that I'll have is that you don't notice a difference or that is better. Well, and in noticing a difference, uh, anything different about people's day, uh, will those people getting it on Monday keep it on Monday? They tell me they're going to hold the same schedule and that equipment's going to follow the garbage truck and pick up the limbs pick okay. up the you know all the same day uh and then if it's too big they'll radio for a you know a bigger piece of equipment to come and handle the bigger stuff so that could take you know maybe a little bit longer of the big trees and that kind of thing but they plan on you know sweeping the same routes and doing the same thing uh, i am interested there's a possibility they could purchase the existing cans there's a possibility that won't happen and they'll be bringing in new cans uh, I really want to know that as soon as I can. That's the reason that by next week I want to get them the contract and get that signed up so that that's the biggest transition, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. Anything else on that of note? No, no, I think uh, I think we covered it. You're bringing the contract back or planning on I am. I never do that. Back. Normally the council approves what we're doing and then gives me the authority to do the contract and, you know, anything else. On this one, I just want my council and the public to know the tools in the toolbox. I want everybody to be on the same page. So I'm actually going to bring the. It's just for a discussion. We're not voting on anything, but I'm bringing the contract back. And, and our attorney made a good point that, you know, those people bid on the specifications that we drew up. So it's not like we are free range to just start adding wild stuff in the contract that, that wasn't in the specifications. But it should be a good discussion. It all, put it this way. I love my counsel. It's always a good discussion. Do we have a solid date when they begin? November 1st. Okay, real good. Same as the budget year, huh? Yeah. Uh, Coincidence? Or uh, no, by design. Okay, there we go. All right, a couple other ordinances were up for adoption. Uh, again, amending uh, approved budget allocations for the ARPA money. Uh, this is amendment number four. What do we change here? Uh, some sewer stuff. That That's all about the Basin D sewer project. And every time we tweak something or we figure a way that the ARPA would be more effective to use that money, Anytime we change anything, you're going to see uh, by the time we're finished in four years, three and a half years, there will be a ton of amendments. But it's all small stuff. It just has to do with the federal reporting. All right. And then uh, budget amendment uh, allocate funding for 
a national association of realtors grant. Yeah, well, some local realtors came up with a grant. They're bringing us $5,000. Another group is bringing us a uh, civic club, is bringing us 500 and we're matching the rest, and we're spending uh, maybe a little over 10 and it's going to do, they wanted to put some benches along the new walking trail that replaced the boardwalk. They wanted to help with some benches at Rodrigue Park. Additional. I've seen some go up. Yes, we've paid for some, and some were in the project. And then when November 1 hits, we have a little money, not a lot, but we have uh, some money in the budget to kind of finish the park. There's some landscaping that got cut out because, you remember, the park piggyback with the museum, that was all state capital outlay. And after they got all the prices, the park ended up, putting some things off and then now it's a city park the city owns it the city runs it i want to finish it up so uh you'll see some more activity in that area but that grant specifically they had an area they wanted to work on they brought it to us and i think it's great all i can do is say thank you if, if it were mine to offer you could have the one outside too oh i could okay if, thank you. if it were mine to offer i understand mm-hmm. i understand all right several resolutions uh, the, the use th- of benches has changed <laughs> Over the years, the uses of benches have changed. I I, I can agree with that. There you go. The uh, resolutions included one to execute the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness Expedited Temporary Housing Assistance Waiver. You folks had concerns about that. Yes, we ended up under the advice of our attorney of just said, wait and see, don't do it right now, because they don't have all the rules. You know, what we don't want... And I mean, just being blunt, I want to help people, okay? We open a shelter. Well, the parish doesn't have a shelter. They send everybody to us. You know, in the past, we've even taken people from uh, Andrew and Katrina and other storms that, you know, weren't our people. But my first responsibility is to the citizens that I, you know, work for. So we're going to be busy with the shelter until I get it sprinkled, which should happen by, I hope, next year, the end of the, the sometime next year. I have to do a 24-hour fire watch with the fire department. It's just not a a great situation. So knowing how much they stretch us when a hurricane comes, uh, I'm worried about the one that could come next week, but those things stretch us out to the max. In addition to that, I cannot have that. The reason, One of the reasons that we don't allow new trailers and single standalone trailers anywhere is the minute the weather gets bad, they tell you to go seek a uh, better shelter if yeah. you live in a trailer. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, I mean, where do I put those people? So what we were concerned about was that we were going to end up when you, after some of the major hurricanes, you saw those kind of FEMA camps, and they brought in those uh, RVs and stacked them together, and then they ended up with mold in them. They ended up that electrical wasn't always hooked up correctly. Plumbing was going hit places it didn't need to go. Well, we are a pretty compact town, so... I was concerned, and some of my council members were, oh, we opened up the door to that kind of stuff. And then some of them stayed a year after the storm was over, and then once they were empty, it took them forever to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. So is that something we want? Couldn't get an answer if that was a possibility with this because they didn't make the rules yet. Uh, the idea of putting one or two that a house got destroyed and they bring you one so that you're still on your property makes sense. On the flip side, in a neighborhood where you have setbacks, which is everywhere in town, where you're not supposed to be so close to your neighbor, where you know, you're supposed to stay five foot off the side, ten foot off the rear, whatever, whatever, and some subdivisions have even broader you know, uh, distances, they just come drop that trailer wherever they put it, and they hook the electrical up, and they don't get a permit, and I don't know who's hooking it up, and they hook it to the sewer, and you're not always sure how they hook it to the sewer. 
So they say that they don't want to cost us any money, but at the same time, they don't tell you how they're going to do it. So those things concern my permit office, concern my compliance office, and then the fact that everything just wasn't fleshed out. I don't like to get into stuff that I don't know the rules. Mm -hmm. So some communities are doing exactly like we are because it will happen every September. So by next September, they should have the rules down so that we can look at them, number one. And number two, if a storm came, you can still get in the game. So when we realized that, we said, well, why do we want to sign on the dotted line right now? So our attorney advised us not to, and, and we didn't. Gotcha. So uh, another resolution awarding a contract to Southern Constructors for the um, city's uh, concrete repair project, authorizing you to execute any documents. Is this part of the overall it, road it program? It is. This is about $4 million, three-point-something. Uh, we spent six point something with the asphalt streets and now this is almost four million that puts me at around 10 we have to hold a reserve because all of engineering projects are unit cost based so if you hit a road with bad dirt with uh, unstable sub base you spend more money on that road and the, the clock's ticking by those units that you spend it how much gravel how much sand how much cement whatever so i don't want to spend it all in one chunk but believe me we will spend it all so I'm excited about this. We've got a local contractor, which means money turns over more in our community, puts, keeps local people working, and uh, they'll start in the concrete streets probably about 50, 60 days from now by the time all the paperwork's done and they mobilize. But very excited about that, and, and you know I'm a caveat into that because I always do. We have a road program on the ballot in November. It's not a new tax. Take 6.85 mills. We pay off those existing mills that are now paying a debt at the sewer plant. And we asked the voters to bring it right back and allocate it only to roads for 20 years. And over 20 years, it brings in $35 million worth of road improvements, something we could never do without that. So it's a way to give us a 20-year road program. And I am hoping the concrete streets, the asphalt won't stop till probably January, February. The concrete streets... Maybe a little later than that, if the voters say yes to this reallocation, then I can immediately bond out $10 million. And by the time we already have a good analysis of the road done because they did the whole city, that will allow us to bid that project out and not stop with a road program. It would be the first time that the asphalt then led to the concrete, then led to another $10 million, which would probably be a mixture of asphalt and concrete again. But, you know, we would have a road program that spans... Uh, you know, a, a big road program that spans a couple of years and then a continuous road maintenance program for 20 years. And the next mayor after my shelf life is done uh, would be able to bond out $10 million again. Gotcha. So I think it's well worth it, but it's exciting that, you know, we're getting to do what we're doing and hopefully uh, the voters will see the wisdom in continuing because we're going to address almost 20% of our roads and only 20% are good that don't need to be addressed right now, but they need some maintenance. And then that leaves 60% to go. And I don't see another way to get there. So we're trying. Are you done with any, you've, every few weeks or so, you start on a group of streets. Uh, Are you almost done with, no, we're almost done with nothing. We had so many days of rain and, you know, lost so much time. I can't tell you that any street is finished that we started on. That some of them are in various stages of completion. And like, I just got this big letter that because of, I don't know, some strike or something, some ingredients, some of the, I don't know if it's the aggregate or what it is, but it's going to put the contractor back two or three weeks to go do plantation drive, mm-hmm. which is all torn up, ready to go. 
So those things are gonna happen. We, you know, the it's not it's not bull. They really are having supply chain issues, and I see that all around the country. That asphalt is uh, having some issues. So we're at the mercy of that, and uh, and you can't hold the contractor at fault for that. But uh, so they're gonna be going on for a while, and and some people call complaining. They call my office, and I just tell them, you know, you you got to crack the egg to cook it. I mean, it's a problem yes it's an inconvenience but for the first time in many many years you know we're moving we're fixing roads it's going to end at some point we're going to have a lot better road so i ask people to just be patient and put up with it uh because there's no other way to do a road yeah there you go another uh, resolution getting back to the sure. realtors association of acadiana is that uh, still a part of that yes. ordinance yes sir okay good enough uh, another resolution in support of a grant application to the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries through the Sports Fish Restoration, some may note as the Wallop Bro Program for Assistance in Felicity Landing Phase Yes, dual. we have Phase 1, and we are through the Corps of Engineers at Phase 1, where it's at facility planning, and when they give us the approval, we'll bid that out. And then Jane saw a grant opportunity. I didn't have anything else to apply for. That is the last piece of that kind of uh, bayou tourism recreation puzzle. So we decided to ask for an addition. Felicity's Landing will be 121 feet long, and this would make it maybe another 80 feet long, mm. what we're thinking. Uh, so that would kind of round it out and finish it off. And then that finishes, we have a lot of things to construct. We just awarded the construction for the marina behind City Hall. And then Felicity's Landing will go out for bid soon. Kayak Dock's finished. Um, and then this last phase, if we get it, it's not, we don't have to have it, but, you know, I didn't want to leave it behind. Mm-hmm. And since we, uh, once you start getting grants from the funding agents, they normally keep funding you. So why why go away? After this, I don't see anything else that Wallet Bro, at least immediately, could do for us. But I didn't want to miss the chance. No, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, you get nothing you don't ask for. Thank you. Uh, rarely, anyway. Uh, couple nothing of ch- good. A <laughs> <laughs> couple of change orders for the Pepperplex. Yeah, they kind of washed each other out. Uh, David Allen is very active on the job, as is his father, Paul. That whole team really does a great job for us. And we were out at a site visit and realized that uh, this is how detailed everybody gets. There's an electrical bore that was going to occur, and they had to go around all the soccer fields. And then we started analyzing the situation. They were worried about some irrigation lines. And like David said, they can't be that deep. So we got with the contractor, the electrical contractor, and realized he would be much deeper than those lines. Well, you know, the fastest way to two points is a straight line. So that gave us a credit. So I think we're doing great. Then we turn around and there's something in the plans because we're hitting a lot of existing concrete and things. We know that that thing has been piecemealed for, you know, since its exception because they, they cut their funding. Uh, we had to lift some areas up at each field on the fencing. It's involving the turf because it can't have a bump at the end of the fence. The ball's going to roll and it might kick the ball up. I mean, you know, if you start thinking about it. So that cost a little more money to move something but they just about swapped each other out but you know the good thing is we got a great team who handles the details and who is involved and is always open to you know harsh trading something or finding another way once we get into it to save us a nickel there you go a lot of talk in lafayette about this issue earlier in the week uh fee schedule associated with the costs for 
production of uh, public uh, records requests. Yeah, we want it to be on par with that, and uh, we get a ton of public records requests. They want to know it's on my calendar. They want to know just every kind of crazy thing. Uh, they will blanket ask for things. Says, There's no way we can give them. You know, like it's just not, you're not supposed to have to compile stuff for public works. I mean, for a public request, you're just supposed to give them what you have. But they'll call or send us something like they would want us to do a month's worth of research. Well, you know, that's not what we do. But what we do do is charge you a dollar a page when we have to give you printed copies. Uh, if you just want to come look at it, like some people will say, well, I'm not paying. I'll say, well, you can come sit in the lobby and look at whatever you want. I, you know, here's the book or here's whatever. If you want it electronically, we charge you to download it on a disc. Um, if it's something that we can just quickly hit the button, like it's all formatted, it's exactly what you want, I, I need just this, okay, and we have it, and it's already in the email form, they send it to you, push a button, you know, no charge. Uh, but we get more and more public records requests, it seems like, and from all kind of crazy places, like way out of, out of the state, just from all kind of other news agencies, people that have these taglines like, you know, Mr. Justice, you know, whatever. And so they come from all over the country and they just fishing. I don't know what they're fishing for, but they fishing. So those tie up a lot of our administration's time, tie up my people. So they've always charged, as long as I've been there, it's been a dollar. I think some part in the past it was 50 cents, okay? But uh, we just didn't, I wanted a clear chart that showed it clearly because someone made a public records request for our public records request fees. And I said, okay, I know they're a dollar, you know, and, and it's all cool, but why don't we just lay it all out, bring it to the council, get everybody to approve it, just to make sure that we're all on the same page. Yeah, the state law, uh, there was a law created in the legislature yes. that opened up this opportunity. You're exactly right, because so many municipalities and parish governments are just getting bombarded with just a lot of, you know, stuff. And I love transparency. I'll never say go away. I'm not the guy who says, you know, don't, don't, I wish the press would leave me alone or anything like that. I mean, we do into people's business, but we do have to have some structure to it. And, and as you mentioned during the meeting, there is a cost to getting yeah. these things together. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, introduced a couple of ordinances, or at least uh, scheduled two, uh, one dealing with the sale of some police vehicles to the St. Martinville PD. Yeah, we've had some local PDs that would like to buy the cars we're replacing. I'm trying not to get caught in the trap. I might not be able to buy as many next year, but, you know, we bought uh, 12, 14 units between trucks and cars. Some of them we bought this year's budget. Next year we are selling eight uh, police cars, um, and a whole bunch of communities wanted them. So that's the process we're going through, and there's a pretty lengthy process. There's, there's some rules when you, uh, you know, decommission something or, or put it up for sale. So, but that money will go right directly back into the PD. So it's a, it's a good time to do it because I have not only the expense of the new cars, but I have to outfit the new cars, which is going on now. They're coming in slow. Again, some supply chain issues, are, they're, not, they're not here as fast as, as we would like. But uh, that's what we're doing, selling, selling some units we don't need. All right, another ordinance. Well, introduce the uh, budget. I trust budget hearings last week went well. Budget hearings went really well, very thorough. Everybody asked their questions, went through the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, we're going good with that. It will be adopted early. I normally try to be at least one meeting early just in case there's some kind of snag. Don't see one. It is the largest, most aggressive budget that, at least since I've been there, and I'm not, I really don't care. I'm not comparing everybody else. No. But we're spending $11.9 million on sewer. 
What I promised people was the 1960 tax that could do road, bridges, fire and police, sidewalks, uh, and any other permanent public improvement of the city. That was all going to law enforcement. It all went to pay the sheriff's contract. And as the contract went up, more of it went there, more of it went there, till all of it went there. Just about. So I promised people that if they passed the police tax, we'd bring back a police department, it would free that money up. It has. As that money started building, we realized we're not a bank. We need to start plans. Well, I did combine the road program, the sewer, what we need, kind of looked at all of our infrastructure and realized it would take three to four years. COVID slowed me down a little bit. (laughs) It would take three to four years to where I could do everything I needed to do for this wave, if you will, and not affect my bonding and still be able to do roads and those kind of things. So last year, that fund rolled over $6 million. So I said, all right, I proved it to myself and to my staff and everybody else that it is a solid fund and that it will continue to bring in money. Now, that $6 million was over the whole years I'd been here. But, again, I'm not a bank. So we're combining that $6 million with $5 million we're getting from the state with another million that we're putting up, and we end up at right around $12 million to uh, really make some major sewer repairs that we need to do. If we do not do these things, we will be back in a consent decree. We have a very old system, and we have many areas that still have pipes and things that need to be changed. We have flows that aren't correct, that we're overloading some areas and underutilizing others. All that's being taken into consideration. But that's in the new budget. We have uh, not as much equipment as I did in the past years because ARPA is paying for the new fire truck. ARPA is paying for the new street sweeper. But uh, just a ton of projects that... Uh, are doing we we did raises first time i mean you know somebody had proposed that if a guy made eight dollars an hour he's gonna get a 16 cent raise what 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 the hell does that do then he ain't buying any groceries with 16 cents an hour so we knew we had to do more um the bottom lower classifications got like a dollar 38 so that eight dollar an hour man went to 938 we have to look at the benefits the city offers as well. The sick time, the retirement's really good. The insurance very, is very cheap. Uh, those things help to offset that because when you just hear like nine thirty-eight an hour, oh, my God, you know. I mean, you can make no offense to anybody, but, I mean, at a fast food place, you probably make $10 an hour flipping burgers. They don't quite have the benefit packages that we have. Uh, and then you get a 2% raise every year, and every five years that you're there, you get an additional 2%. If you stay for a while, a long-term thing, you end up really well. But on the short term, I mean, I was embarrassed. But, uh, and, and a 2% raise just wasn't going to cut it. So we did these raises, and it went up uh, you know, a little over a dollar in the lower categories. And then as you move up in those classifications, it, it ended up being close to a dollar, a little less than a dollar. But those raises cost the city Four hundred thousand dollars, and then they will cost two percent every year, and another two percent every five years. So you have to calculate that out. But for the city to just say, "Hey, we're giving raises, and we appreciate our people, and you know we want to support them," that was a big chunk in this budget, uh, but well worth doing. I wish I wish it could have been bigger, actually, but I, I had to balance that with all the work we need to do. But it's it's a big year. We have a lot of projects and a, and a lot of stuff going on. Real good. Um, I didn't get all the way through the property standard issues anything out of the ordinary well there. you know i still got to come up with some kind of award two people tore their houses down cleaned up the lot and they look great they got to get something i'm good with it we spend so much time and so much money and so much effort on this i want some kind of little i don't know what it's going to be i keep saying that but i'm about to do it uh so two of them got removed from the list which is awesome 
One got an extension for 30 days, and, and the week before started doing a little bit of work. But, hey, hey they did something. Um, and so those weren't too, too bad. We didn't uh, demo anything. And, and really, you know, nobody wants to represent an empty lot. Every, we want citizens. Uh, the houses we're dealing with, for the most part, we've never demoed an occupied house. You know, people have always moved out. There's been one or two that they had to be coaxed to move out because the house was falling down around them. But, you know, we're not making somebody homeless. Uh, they went somewhere, and then we tore them down. But uh, for the most part, they're vacant houses. And we, we have to address that issue for what it does to the, that, the neighborhood and the areas around it, between property values, between just quality of life, uh, between health and safety. And that's the big thing. We had a big discussion about why we do this and what is the barometer, and it's, is it safe, you know? And then there's a variety of uh, discussion items on what makes it safe. You know, some, of, uh, some people just think board the windows and doors and it's safe. But if it's rotten, if it's got real structural issues, if the roof can collapse, if for some reason it might be a fire hazard, they shouldn't be electrical on, but they could. If, you know, there are health reasons or other reasons, well, then it's still not safe. So it's not just, hey, I'll board up the windows and the doors and then just let it collapse in on itself. Well, that, that's, still not being, that's still not safe. So, uh, but that's the main motivation of why we do this. So that's kind of what happened with the demos. And, and as usual, that will never stop. More coming. And, you know, again, like you say, you, you hate that a building has to be taken down, but taking it down when it has to uh, might spur some redevelopment. Yeah, that's what too. I'm hoping. That's mm-hmm. what I'm, I mean, I've been looking into shipping container homes. It sounds crazy, but uh, IBC code allows them. We are a uniform code state. The whole state has the same IBC uniform code. Okay. I just went to New Orleans and looked at it. one of them sold for two hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars. Now that's New Orleans, okay? Mm-hmm. And you think, you know, I'm telling you, they are cool. So I'm looking into that personally, and I'm looking into that. I got to find some alternatives, you know, that that someone can go on these little lots that are in areas of town that the real estate, you know, at least not right now. I'm hoping it will, but the real estate is at a, at a low value. We got to do something with them. And it sounds crazy, but I've been, you know, I went to a shipping container restaurant in Gulf Shores at the beach. It was really cool. I went to one in Austin that was, you know, really nice. I've been to a hotel that is made out of shipping containers. Uh, that's something that's happening all over the place. You know, you can buy a shipping container for two grand. That doesn't mean you can have a house for two mm-hmm. grand. But, uh, you know, so I am looking into that. I think it's neat. Um, I'll always look into modular construction, but we don't have anybody right now. You remember we had the guy in St. Martinville, but he, he ended up closing that built a modular house. You and I had some discussions maybe two years ago when they moved the little modular house that got moved into Acadian Acres. Yeah. And it came out really cute. You yeah. can roll right by it right now. It looks like a little shotgun. So, you know, when you think shipping container, don't think, you know, like what you see on the back of a truck. Uh, by the time they're done, they're really nice and structurally. I mean, it's all steel. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking for any alternative I can. Um, before I became the mayor, I had to come up with some little small house designs. They weren't tiny homes, but they remind me of, of kind of the shipping container layouts, but, but they were wider. Okay. You know, shipping container is eight foot wide. You whack the wall out in between, you put them together, you got 16 feet. You know, the stuff I had designed were 12 and 14 feet wide. And I was working with UL for a little while about a plan to i have this wild idea and i always will that you take some ul students who are in engineering and in architecture you combine them with some construction guys and uh maybe some people from votech and you turn out a house and you crank it out and it's a modular house and you move it uh, you know put it in place it's not a trailer it meets all the codes um 
and you could really do some neat things and educate some people so that by the time they got out of school, they really know how to build something. They didn't have to go and just know theory and then, you know, go work somewhere and have to learn how it's really done. So I've always been kind of interested in that. And then uh, one of the professors who was running the UL architecture department and I started trading ideas and plans and all of that. I kind of put that off to the side, but now... I'm not that I have more time, I guess I just want to do it, but looking at the amount of empty lots that are out there in our community, looking at the ones we generate because we have to tear things down, we need to try to find some solution. And so I'm kind of back on that kick um, just because I think that there would be a market for it. And, and, and like I said, I, w- I want a community, not, not, not a bunch of grass. There you go. Speaking of grass, uh, Marlon Lewis. Uh, oh, yeah, we had a good discussion, discussion on grass. Yeah, we had a good one. Uh, people need to understand that when you turn – one of these pieces of property we're talking about are your, are, your, are your lazy neighbor, and you turn them in, it takes five to six weeks before their grass is cut. And, so, and, and before that, it has to grow to 12 inches. So compliance goes with their cone, and when it hits the white, the top of the cone's white, 12 inches of it are orange. When it's into the white, you know, you're turned in. But it takes probably, you know, three weeks or a month. Probably takes a month of growing to get to 12 inches. And so then, then it's turned in, so you're already aggravated. And then once it's turned in, to go through all the steps, because this is private property before we can get to it, to go through all those steps and the notifications and the uh, registered letters and everything else, it, it takes about five more weeks. So now you probably got aggravated at week three, so you add a week to that, and then you add five more weeks. So, you know, it's probably six weeks that, that you've been aggravated with it, and the grass can be cut. And then you go on a schedule, and if it's raining, it might take another week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a good discussion about that, about what the rules are, uh, and about how much money we spend. We, we spend easily well over $100,000 a year playing yard man and cutting people's grass and then putting it on taxes. And in many instances, it's taxes that's never going to get paid. So it is a losing proposition for the city, uh, but we've we got to try to keep things under control and you know, uh, stop people from you know, just doing nothing. Uh, so we had a good discussion. I was glad he put that on there. We spent a lot of time uh, talking about grass. All right. Um, we passed on uh, the finance reports. Uh, Kevin uh, Zerang presented yeah, budget that, to that's Ashle, just anything getting, out of the No, because we only have one month left. And his big headache now is by the auditors, we have to be within 5% of our projection for the last month. And so we're running around, and we had meetings yesterday. Do you think you'll spend this? How much will you spend on every one of our projects? And the list is pretty extensive, plus, plus each department. So he's wrangling with that. All we really did was review that they were all at their percentages they needed to be to finish out the year, you know, at 100% or, or right under. And so uh, it didn't take long. And like I said, I, I knew what he was working on. He was sitting in the back of the meeting working on it the whole night. So it wasn't a long presentation. Okay. Anything out of the council remarks? No, not really. Okay. Not really. I think uh, think we're all good. Anything else before we let you go? No. I uh, We all had our condolences for Beefy. That was that was just hit me. That was probably the biggest thing we had. In yeah, our- I, I would say news of his passing came out about uh, half an hour before you met two weeks ago. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I was thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, because and, he did a lot of, so yeah, much for the so, city. So much for the city, so much with kids and the parks and Dotson Street Elementary and Santa Claus. I mean, the guy did all kind of stuff. 
So no one had had a chance to express that because really none of us knew till after the meeting. Yeah. Uh, so that was probably the thing that stuck in my, you know, what, what a good guy. And I didn't know Jeff Simon, our city attorney, went to grade school with him and gave him his nickname, Beefy. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was a little cool. And he just mentioned it on his breath. <laughs> I gave him, because that's how he operates. <laughs> I gave him that nickname in junior high. And, I, you know, I don't even know if everybody heard it, but uh, I got a kick out of that. You know, I, I know there's a visitation yes. tomorrow afternoon at Pellerin and again yes. in the morning Saturday and a service at 11. And But I was thinking how cool it would have been. He pulled kids in the children's parade for so many years yep. that if some kids pulled his urn in that well, parade. Yeah, now that would be cool. That and I, be and cool. I don't mean to make light of it. Uh, no, because he liked that. Yeah. Uh-huh. He was that kind of dude. There you go. Anyway, but that's about it. So uh, long meeting, but it was a good one. And I uh, just want to tell everybody to be safe and uh, have fun this weekend. No doubt. We'll look forward to the next time. Thank you, sir.